The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Variscosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm the editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Uh, the Mississippi Department of Veterans Affairs has a long history of supporting our state's veterans and their dependents through superior service, care, and assistance. So today we're talking with the Executive Director Stacy Pickering about some of the upcoming outreach initiatives, programs, and services that the agency provides Mississippi veterans. You know, I um, interviewed Stacy and several of the veterans up at the Oxford Veterans Home in December, which seems like about like 55 lifetimes ago. And, uh, I, you know, it, this will be in an upcoming episodes of Conversations on MPB television, which should be airing not too long because I just shot the opening for it. But anyway, uh, really fascinating some of the work that the Veterans um, Affairs does. And I really wanted to get this show in today so that we could hear a little bit about it and some of the things. Going on. And it's always good to talk to Stacy too. Stacy's an interesting guy. So, and of course, we want you to be part of the show so you can give us a call. And to do that, it's pretty easy. You just pick up the phone. You got those neat little numbers there, and you dial one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So give us a call. A lot of things going on over the weekend, obviously. And I think really we're just because I mean, seriously, Michelle, you and I, if we were talking about everything that's going on in the world, we could probably just make a whole show out of that. But I, I think there's two areas where we need to focus on today. Number one is that there is a record number of COVID cases last Thursday, and the numbers still remain high. And we'll talk about that. And also, too, the state of Mississippi, the legislature voted overwhelmingly, as you heard on the national news, because we are being talked about all around the world about this. We, we voted to take the Confederate battle emblem off of our flag. And so there will now be a commission that will be appointed by the lieutenant governor, the governor and the speaker that will come up with a flag that we will vote on. And it will say, in God, we trust. That was one of the things that they required on it. Um, so that is coming up. But it was a very... Uh, busy weekend over the weekend at the Capitol, not only for that reason, but they're trying to get out and get the budget passed and get done because, of course, obviously the new fiscal year starts at the end of the month. Michelle, how are you doing? Are you healthy? Did you have a good weekend? I am wonderful. I had a great weekend, a real relaxing weekend. I'm just ready for, what, 4th of July, I guess. Another <laughs> uh, another holiday coming up. I know. It's like we all need a day off. We all need a holiday coming up. So. I don't know. You that know, is- it's kind of scary, especially with the um, COVID-19 cases rising and the yeah. 4th of July uh, weekend. And normally people go out, they actually spend time with their families and they invite people over or they go to the beaches and things like that. But this 4th of July, um, we are really asking people to remain uh, vigilant, wear your mask, um, social distancing a must. 
and try to not to be in places where there's crowds. I mean, I know that's challenging, but I mean, we have to do what we have to do. If you look at the rest of the state, some of the states are reclosing, and we don't want that to happen to Mississippi. Um, Dr. Dobbs, he's one of our state health officers. He's the word reckless, and that's what I would say. I would use that word, reckless. And have you watched, mm-hmm. watched him in, in his press conferences? He looks more and more tired every time. I mean, he's working. I think he's working like literally all day long, every day of the week. And I know the whole health department's done a great job. Uh, they've been really busy and trying to stay on top of this. But you can tell the level of frustration in his voice. Like you said, it, it, he's, he's using words like reckless because now the spread is occurring because young people are getting together. I know there were some, some parties up in Oxford that have caused a big spike in the numbers there. And so you'll notice the numbers are going up, but the hospitalizations, thankfully, well, let's put it this way. The ICU is starting to get full, and we need to be really careful about that because I think you've really touched on something important, Michelle. We can't afford to close back down again, both economically and I think mentally, too. Right. And speaking of mentally, uh, last week, Dr. Buttress on Susan, um, Susan Buttress on uh, Southern Remedy, we talked about COVID-19 fatigue and it is real. I understand people are tired. They are frustrated. And now with the cases rising, they're getting a little more nervous again. It's like the Poltergeist movie. Not again, mom, not again. But I understand we have to do what we have to do and maybe it won't spike. You know, if we all do what we have to do, maybe our numbers will not go up. Right, right. And I think, too, but I think it's it's also very, and I put out a post over the weekend on this, and it was interesting. I had some interesting feedback on, on it, and some people are still in denial about what's going on. But I said, you need to prepare in case somebody in your family gets it, because um, if somebody gets a family, you obviously need to quarantine, and you're going to have to be quarantined. But how are you going to be able to keep other people from the family getting it? And there's a lot of things we're having to think about right now, because the it's, it's more and more out there, because Dr. Dobbs said that. He said initially the numbers were spiking because it was going through nursing homes. And of course, we'll talk with Stacey Pickering a little bit about that, because that COVID's definitely affected the Veterans Affairs homes, too. But also, too, now it's just doing through community spread. And, and so it's still there. We need to pay attention to it. We need to stay on top of it. We don't need to panic. We don't definitely don't need to hide. But we've got to do the things we need to do, like social distancing. And, you know, masks have become political. But, I mean, I tell you, I wear my mask because I'm 51 years old. And I don't know if I necessarily want to or 52. I don't even know how old I am now. I'm old. OK, I have gray in my beard. But um, I know if I get it, it's probably going to knock me down pretty hard. So it it's one of those things that and I don't want to give it to somebody else if I get it, too. So, I mean, I wear a mask. And, and so but there are things that we can do. And I think that's important. It is. It is. And like you said, you're protecting not only yourself, but others in your community. So I have a friend and his entire family. Um, he has two yeah, small boys and a you, teenage right? daughter, and his wife so is we're a nurse. About 18 miles apart right now. So, you know, right. You're not going to get it from me. We're, we're properly socially distanced. Right. And his whole entire family um, was uh, tested positive. And like he was saying, it's no joke. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's not like the flu. People are saying, oh, it's just like the flu. It's not like the flu. It's different. And it feels different. And you know you have it when you do have it. So, you know, keep our, our, our immune system strong. Uh, vitamin C, again, social distancing, wearing your mask washing your hands if you can wear gloves <laughs> please do just you know do those things that you know you need to do to keep your health your health up and everyone in your community safe definitely definitely over the weekend the legislature voted to remove the confederate battle flag it was um 
fascinating watching this process happen. It happened very quickly. I was, you know, I did several cartoons in 2001 during the flag vote then, and I remember getting several nasty phone calls on the day. I didn't think I'd see it happen in my lifetime, and it's happened. And uh, definitely some powerful oratories, a lot of speeches over the weekend. And it was an interesting coalition of people. And I think it was a broader coalition this time because it was conservatives and liberals and blacks and whites and business and, and religion and sports. I think there were two things that really drove it. I think that, um, I think that it basically looks like, um, that both the NCAA, the sports angle, and then the Mississippi Baptist, the religious angle made a big difference. So um, it's it's fascinating to see what's going on uh, with this. And, of course, you know, the governor needs to sign it at this point. So, um, but I tell you, it's, it's fascinating. I'm going to read real quick. We're better. To, this is from Philip Gunn, the House Speaker, who really authored the bill that passed on Sunday. He said, today the future has taken root in the present. Today we in the rest of the nation can look onto our state with new eyes with pride and hope. And I hope that spirit goes forward because Mississippi is an incredibly wonderful state. Um, it's just, you know, it's time for us to, to represent ourselves in the way that we are. We're just a really kind and giving place. And so uh, basically what happens now, the Department of Archives and History have 15 days to sign after the bill signed in law to officially retire the current flag. And then the commission gets to work. And then, of course, they will will name people and vote in for two. So anyway, I'm interested um, in seeing the um, designs of the new flags and um, what they would look like. I know they have to have and got we trust on them, but I'm interested in seeing some really neat ideas, really creative ideas come through. There's been a lot of them bouncing around Facebook. It's been interesting to see some of them. Um, you know, some of them have been attractive. Some of them are, are funny, some of them. But I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you know, that's an issue that I think we all talked about. And, and um, you know, it's been fascinating watching the process go down. So huh, busy weekend, to say the least. And I, I know, seriously, um, I just wanted to brag on, of course, MPB has done a great job covering this issue. And, and my friends at Mississippi Today that I work with have done a great job. And so, but there were, it was, it, anytime you can see, for instance, the coach from Ole Miss and the coach from Mississippi State standing together singing kumbaya over anything you know that it is definitely definitely interesting times to say the least that was so a good moment. It, um, i like that moment though i like to see i i was interested in see seeing how all of the coaches and um came together it didn't matter at that moment it wasn't about what team was better it was about one cause and i like that i i did yeah like i did brought too. everybody together I did too. I think there were a lot of people, and that's, you know, it, you wouldn't think it would be in the year 2020, but it was a political risk on some of the politicians' part, and they stepped up and did what they thought was right for the state, not right for their political careers, and I thought that was good. I think there was um, one great moment where Mike Leach, the coach from Mississippi State, grabbed Lane Kiffin's mask and pulled it out and tweaked him with it, and it was just, I mean, that was the, that was great. There was just so, so many fun moments like that, um, but yesterday was historic, and it was... Um, it was amazing to watch it. I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> you know, I didn't go down to the Capitol, but uh, it was still amazing. And a lot of the cartoons I did 
on this have been have gone viral and the response this time around you know i mentioned i got a really a lot of nasty calls and everything of course that was before social media now we have social media but the the outpouring i would say generally has been favorable and that's been very encouraging and there have been a few people that have been negative but that's fine you know and like i told them um it's going to be okay mississippi is a great place i'm very very proud of this state and i you know i do a lot of traveling and do a lot of bragging on it so uh speaking of bragging it's time for the first break and we're going to brag a little bit on mississippi's uh basically what we do for veterans here we're going to be welcoming our guest mississippi department of veteran affairs and executive director stacy pickering hey stay tuned this is now you're talking on mpb think radio contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast the information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Hi, you're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Our guest today is former state auditor and current executive director of the Mississippi Veterans Affair Board and former state auditor of the great state of Mississippi, Stacy Pickering. Stacy, thank you for joining us today and taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to talk to us and brag a little bit about all the great things that are going on in the veterans um, affairs. It, y'all do a lot of stuff. And, you know, like I said earlier, I had the honor of coming up and taping a show up in Oxford and getting to talk to several of the, the men who had fought both from World War II all the way up to Vietnam, and that was incredible. It seems like that was about six million years ago, though, because it was before COVID. Goodness. So Absolutely. how are you doing? Man, that seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, we've had tornadoes that night, and uh, since then, more tornadoes, a pandemic, and uh, life's been busy, but uh, yeah. we're all doing well, doing very well. I remember that day we actually had a tornado warning in Oxford. You know, we're all standing there like you and I were looking out the window going, I guess we probably shouldn't be looking out the window right now. But then one hit your home and you had to leave immediately to go up there. And thankfully, there was minor damage then. And then you had a second one. Did one of those long track tornadoes, did y'all have any damage on that? Yeah, yeah. the one that hit Easter Sunday uh, came through uh, where our family farm is. Uh, barely missed my uh, mother, uh, our family farm there, but a lot of my cousins, family I grew up with, neighbors and fam, uh, lost their homes. Uh, so, uh, you know, Jones County, uh, Jeff Davis, Covington County, just a lot of folks, and they're rebuilding. Uh, I had a cousin this morning posting on social media that the contractors showed up and they were starting to reconstruct their home. You know, it's going to take a long rebuild for that down there, and that's something we need to continue remembering our fellow Mississippians who really did go through a life-and-death situation. But uh, like most Mississippians, they're resilient. They're building back, and uh, that's what makes this state great. It truly is. I always talk about chainsaws and casseroles. Before you can get out of the damage, there'll be a church van in your front yard full of people with chainsaws and casseroles. They're going to cut the tree off your house and feed you, and that's just how we roll here. Well, it is, and that's what you know makes doing the job here at Mississippi Veteran Affairs uh, so meaningful is because Mississippians continue to step up, and it's not just during the crisis and that moment of resiliency, but to watch these high school kids uh, this time of the year 
who are uh, enlisting, they're joining the Air National Guard, the Army Guard, they're joining active duty components and uh, sister branches, uh, and uh, you know they're still raising their right hand and saying, I will stand in the gap to defend and protect the United States of America. And for that reason, we can sleep well at night. I had, matter of fact, a week before last, Marshall, I had the privilege of uh, giving the oath of office to my own son as he has enlisted and joined the uh, U.S. Navy and going to med school. And he'll be serving as a Surgeon General eventually, uh, as a uh, right now currently an ensign in the U.S. Navy. So I always get this ton. While I get to care for a lot of our veterans in the nursing homes or cemeteries, help them file their benefits claims, I'm still in awe of these 18, 19-year-old kids who it's not a matter am I going to deploy, but it's a matter of when do I deploy, when do I go into harm's way to serve our country, and they're still willing to raise their right hand and put on our nation's uniform. It makes you proud to be an American, even when all else is going on that we've seen in the headlines recently. If people have never seen that ceremony before, I know I was emceeing a banquet, and there were there were several Medal of Honor recipients in the room, which that in itself was awe-inspiring, to say the least. There's just something about them when you meet them. They just absolutely inspire you. But there were also several people that were being sworn in that day also, and, and they looked so young. And here they were. They were writing a blank check to our country that could have been cashed at any time, but they were just going ahead and doing it. And I think that's why what you do is so important because, you know, basically they're giving so much to us as a country and there's some things that we be honest with you as a country owe them. And I think that's what your job is. Let me ask you this, Stacey, because you were state auditor for a long time and, and, you know, you've had the choice of doing a lot of different things. What, how did you end up becoming executive director of the Veterans Administration? Well, you know, Marshall, uh, it was kind of one of those neat moments in, in life where one of my board members asked me, said, you know, my predecessor had uh, been appointed as the Undersecretary of Memorial Affairs for the federal VA, so there was a vacancy, and we were on the elevator one day, and one of my board members asked me if I would consider letting them talk to me about being executive director. He said, you've served the country. You still do. You still wear our nation's uniform. And he said, you know, I think you'd be a great fit. Would you be willing to talk to us? So that started about a three- or four-month conversation that ultimately uh, just one of the greatest opportunities I've had uh, for the last two years is to lead this organization, modernize it, take care of our veterans and their families by giving them superior care and assistance, navigating the VA system. You know, we have 187,000 veterans in Mississippi, and we generate $2 billion dollars of pensions and benefits alone. And it's our job, I've got a whole part of our staff, a division, who actually works with our county veteran service officers, they work with our veterans and their families, and we handle about 90% of all VA claims and to make sure they're getting the benefits they're entitled to for they and their, them and their families. And so just that alone generates $2 billion in the Mississippi's economy and directly to our veterans and their families. Tell us a little bit about your service before we get going into really in-depth of some of the things, because I don't think people really know that about you. And number one, I love the fact that you're now going to have inter-service rivalry at Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> at your house. Um, go on a little bit. But, I mean, I've always been amazed when I hear a little bit about some of the things you do when in the service. It's just something that you don't really crow about a lot. Well, uh, thanks, Marshall. I mean, it's a privilege. I, you know, when folks, you know, they see you in uniform, they may not know that I've been an elected official and served in the legislature and as a statewide elected official, and they'll see you in uniform and they say, thank you for your service. 
you know, it, it's not something I take lightly. And uh, my son asked me the question. He said, Dad, what do you say? I said, I look at him and say, it's a privilege that I get to wear my nation's uniform. Thank you. And I really feel that way. You know, I'm watching. I've got a son who's, like I said, I just swore into the U.S. Navy. I've got a, his younger brother who's a junior at Ole Miss is ROTC, and uh, he's, you know, Going through that process, he'll actually go to Maxwell to field training experience, basically the ROTC version of boot camp this summer. So I'm really proud to see my own sons continuing that tradition of service. Uh, you know, I'm the third generation in a line, and even before that, we served uh, multiple conflicts and wars throughout our nation's history. But I'm the third generation. My kids will be the fourth to serve. My father-in-law was in the U.S. Army. My own father served in the Air National Guard. Um, three of my four grandfathers served in World War II. Uh, the one that did not worked at Camp Shelby because he had health problems he couldn't serve and where his age was. So uh, it's a privilege to, to wear our nation's uniform, and I've had the privilege to get to do quite a bit of active duty time. I've worked uh, in uh, U.S. Air Force Europe over in Germany. I've been into Korea uh, standing up against Kim Jong-un a couple of years ago whenever he was uh, firing rockets and testing nukes. I was part of the contingency that got sent over there. And my unit in Meridian, the 186th Air Operations Group, we support First Air Force, uh, which is a control of all of North America's Air Force responsibilities, not just for homeland defense and intercepting the Russian bombers, but when we have tornadoes, uh, hurricanes. So we've gotten to work Hurricane Michael and several other hurricanes, Dorian last year. Uh, the, you know, what the Defense Department's response is, I get to be a part of that, along with 135 of my fellow Mississippians, to serve at that level of capacity on command and control. So it is a tremendous privilege, and I've got to see and do a lot. Uh, even several years ago, I got deployed with uh, the 432nd, and we do the drone program. And being a part of that at the height of the uh, war in Afghanistan, Iraq, when we opened up the front in Libya, to be right there along with those uh, pilots and those sensor operators, the intel officers, helping them do the job that they've been called to do uh, to defend and protect. So it, it's been a privilege in my military career, and it's something somebody asked me, when are you going to retire? I said, when they force me out. It's, I love <laughs> uh, getting to do this every month, every time I get called to active duty, Marshall. It really is a privilege. I get to serve our country. Let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people, they hear about Veterans Administration, and they you know, there's the federal, what the federal does, and then there's what the state does. Tell us a little bit about what the difference is between the two. Well, you know, we've got three major lines of effort. One is caring for our aging and infirm veterans. That's our nursing homes. It's probably what we're best known for. We have four, one in Oxford, Kosciuszko, Jackson, and Collins, and we're getting ready to build a fifth on the Gulf Coast that'll have 100 beds. So that puts us one of the largest post-acute care nursing home systems in the state with 600 current beds and about to add another 100, and that'll bring us to 700 to service Mississippi veterans. That's probably what we're best known for. We have two cemeteries to carry, uh, provide a shrine uh, of freedom, a shrine of respect and dignity to our veterans and their families in Newton and at Kilmichael in North Mississippi. But then we also, our other line of effort is to provide for our working veterans, our student veterans. Most One of the things nobody really knows that we do, we are the school authorizing authority. So before any university or college can get GI Bill benefits or a veteran can use their bill benefit, uh, GI Bill benefits, I, my staff goes in and actually audits and authorizes and says, yes, this is a legitimate university or college. They've got a legitimate curriculum, a syllabus, and graduation rates. Therefore, we can authorize them to receive GI Bill benefits. And so that works on every college campus, including barber colleges and others, including the Mississippi Law Enforcement Academy. We do that so veterans can use their benefits to care for their families with their housing allowance, as well as paying for their tuition and other costs of 
bettering themselves, converting their military skills into civilian skills. Uh, one of the other things that we do is providing honor is the events, whether we do Memorial Day and Veterans Day. And this year, because of COVID, normally we've got several hundred folks come to our cemeteries where we do an actual Memorial Day program, but we couldn't do large gatherings because of COVID-19. So we did a video this year. 14 TV stations ran that two-minute video of our state officials laying a wreath at different memorials from the Gulf Coast to Brookhaven, uh, the Persian Gulf Memorial, the War Memorial Building here in Jackson, the, the Vietnam Wall in Tupelo. Um, we let them do that, and then we ended with taps. And we asked people, you know, no matter where you were, to stand and hear that. And so just that video and partnering with the 14 TV markets across the state who aired that video Memorial Day weekend multiple times, you know, it was a very moving way to pay respect to those who paid the ultimate price. You know, you talk about with schools and everything, I've noticed a lot of the colleges, I say a lot, I mean, I've, I noticed some of the major colleges have now offered deals so that basically if you're serving that you can get most of your tuition waived. Is that something that y'all have been involved with? Well, we support that. The university have done most of that on their own, and the Mississippi National Guard, under the leadership of General Durr Boyles, has taken real lead on that front. But we do yeah. with them, with their student veteran programs. I actually have an employee on every college campus in Mississippi now, uh, college and university, and they're a veteran service officer, so their job is to sit down with those student veterans to make sure they're getting the benefits they're entitled to. If they're needing to go to the VA Medical Center for uh, treatment, for medication, for counseling, we help them navigate that system. And I actually have staff members at each of the three VA Medical Centers in Mississippi, uh, counting Memphis. They take care of the northern third of the state, the VA Medical Center on uh, Woodrow Wilson here in Jackson on uh, the G.B. Sonny Montgomery Medical Center. I have an employee there and then on the Gulf Coast to help Mississippi veterans navigate that system. So we work with the student veterans as well as our, our working veterans and make sure they get the benefits, but also they're getting their appointments they need. We're there to assist them and their families every step of the way. It's time for us to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Stacy Pickering, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Veterans Affairs Board. Now, if you have a question or comment, if you're a veteran, hey, if you got a question for, for Mr. Pickering, jump in. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. If you're a parent on the go, but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey at Mississippi Today. If you're just joining us, well, thank you. I'm glad you're listening. Also, too, we've been talking with the Executive Director of the Mississippi Veterans Affairs Board, Stacy Pickering. And if you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. That's easy enough. And I tell you what, there's probably a lot of veterans out there that have some questions. So jump in. We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call. You know, uh, Stacey, you and I were talking a little bit about some of the veteran services you're offering. And, and 
I kind of would just want you to kind of go over that one more time, because I feel like that um, sometimes I, I think veterans, you know, they, they see a bureaucracy or whatever, and y'all really are excellent at being able to carve through some of the red tape. Yeah, Mar- Marshall, that's really one of our biggest missions is helping veterans and their families navigate that. Uh, I've got two employees just here in my own office that one of them, she spends the most time looking up a DD-214. And I, I love that because most folks who've never served, they go with DD what? And that is the document you get when you leave service uh, that shows this is, I am a veteran and this is the days that I served, this is the time, this is where I was exposed, this is with medals and uh, awards that I've received. It's kind of that that is your ticket and you've got to have a copy of it. And I, I love to tell the story that here I am, a third generation, I myself am serving, my boys are serving in the military, and my wife, I'm talking about the DD-214, she said, oh my gosh, she said, I bet my dad has no clue when he served back during the Vietnam era. Uh, the next time she's at his house over in Atlanta, she says, Dad, Stacy said I need to get a copy of your DD, and he goes, 214, hold on. He rolled back in his wheelchair, opened a file drawer, handed it to her, he said, make a copy of it. She said, I didn't know it existed. And so many families don't know that. They can call us and we can help them get that documentation whether it's for our nursing homes, any other benefits, uh, whether it's at, uh, after the point of death where they want military honors, all that document they have to have, and we can help our veterans and their families get that from here, or filing for their own benefits at the VA uh, Benefits Office. And they can do that by just going to our website, www.msva.ms.gov, and all the contact information is there for county veteran service officers, our field reps, or they can just call our office directly at 601-576-4850, 601-576-4850. And we'll help those veterans and their families navigate the federal VA benefits pro- process and system to make sure they're getting their needs met. We're talking with Executive Director of the Mississippi Veterans Ah, it's Stacey Pickering. If you'd like to give us a call, well, give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stacey, like I mentioned before, I uh, had the honor of coming up in December a million and a half years ago and visiting in the Oxford home with several of the heroes. And I say heroes because all their stories were incredible. It's going to be such a great conversations episode when it airs, and, and it should be airing pretty soon, I think. But uh I was going to ask, number one, how is everybody doing up there? I've been thinking about them a lot, and we're in this new COVID time, and I, of course, obviously, want you to talk about that, too, but is everybody doing okay up there? Well, you know, Marshall, I appreciate you asking. It's not just our Oxford home, but three of our four homes have not had a single resident test positive for the COVID virus. Uh, whenever That's amazing. Yeah, they, our staff has done a great job. Uh, when we had the very first case in Hattiesburg, we started closing our home, started with Collins, the closest to the initial outbreak, and then we moved north to other four homes in the next three to four days. And uh, that's been hard on our families. And so because of that, we're trying to get more visit opportunities and trying to reopen as far as a controlled way that we don't get the virus into the home, but to protect our veterans uh, because they are frail in many cases. And so three of our four homes have not had a single case of a resident testing positive yet. We did have an outbreak in Kosciuszko. Uh, We had, gosh, at the height of it, 49 of our residents, a full third, had got the coronavirus and uh, 25 of our staff had tested positive, but we had already planned for that with the VA Medical Center, who sent staff in to augment us. And Dr. Walker, who's the administrator there, has been a great partner. Uh, their doctors and our doctors worked hand-in-hand on telemedicine to make sure we are getting the best care we could. We did have 12 uh, COVID-related deaths um, out of that, and so we grieved with those families, and it was a 
very uh, emotional time for our staff, but our staff have all recovered. Uh, most of our residents have recovered, and we're now, we have a COVID-free facility. It's over 30 days now since our last positive case there. So, you know, it's a difficult disease and a virus that we're dealing with. And uh, as y'all were talking at the first of the show, you know, we have to protect our senior adults in Mississippi, not just those that are in nursing homes, but those that, you know, we run into at the grocery store or at church and not be cavalier about this. And that's the reason I always try to keep a mask with me. And when it's appropriate, you put that thing on. You put your mask on because it's not to protect you, it's to protect others. Because we may not realize we're a carrier. And if that virus gets into an at-risk population like our senior adults, like a nursing home, uh, it can be very deadly. Yeah, walk back uh, just a second here a little bit, because like you said, once it gets in, and it's and early on, I know the testing was a little bit harder to hap- come by and happen and everything. Tell us a little bit about what did the staff do once you realized it was in the facility? I mean, how did you manage to, to get it under control? Uh, well, Marshall, thank you. I mean, our staff did a great job, our partnership with the VA Medical Center. But, you know, we, we kind of got ahead of the curve a little bit saying, if it does get into the home, how are we going to deal with it? And we watched what happened in some private nursing homes, what happened in veterans' homes in other states that were just a tragedy, and realized the mistakes they made. They didn't cohort, uh, isolate their uh, residents and employees by groups. Our homes have three wings. And so once we thought we had the virus in the wings, we stopped any movement between the wings. We isolated them down into their rooms as best we could, uh, bringing their meals to them, keeping activities on the wing, not letting our staff move between the wings. And that's one reason when we did have the outbreak in Kosciuszko, it did not get to the other two wings. We were able to isolate the virus into one wing and fight it on that front. And so we cohorted our residents, we cohorted our staff, we increased use of PPE naturally and disinfectants. Uh, I mean, it increased our budget by right at three and a half to four million dollars of that money that, you know, we had not appropriated and not planned on because of that the legislature did escalate our authority to spend additional money because we're buying uh, face masks, isolation gowns, gloves, face ma- uh, face shields, things we normally would not be purchasing in large quantities, including buying disinfectant by the pallet load. I mean, buying hundreds and hundreds of gallons of disinfectant. And that has worked very well for us in our other three facilities. And uh, we have been very aggressive on testing. Uh, when our facilities were built, they have uh, negative pressure rooms that we can isolate presumptive cases until we're sure that they don't have the virus and uh, keep it out of our general population. And so it's been a very uh, roller coaster. Some weeks we feel like we've got it under control, then other weeks we'll have a, an employee test positive and we trace down who's been exposed, do the testing. But so far, the protective measures we put in place, the disinfecting we put in place has worked very well in three of our four facilities. That's great that you got the negative pressure rooms. I don't think people quite understand how important that is because that prevents any kind of the virus from getting through the air conditioning system and being able to spread around that way. So that's Absolutely. that's good that you have it a little, little bit. And, you know, I was thinking just from the, the veterans that I met up there, I mean, you're, you know, you're talking – there's a few World War II, a few Korea, and a lot of Vietnam, but everybody's pretty much in their 60s, 70s, and 80s and are older. And so you have a huge vulnerable population, and I'm glad to hear that the numbers have worked out and everything's worked out. I mean, any loss is tragic, 
but I have a friend who, who lost his dad in a veteran's home in Louisiana, for instance, and they've, they have really struggled down there. So I'm both happy and proud to hear that it's not been as catastrophic as it's been in some of the other places. Well, it really has. We've watched what happened in the veteran's home in Louisiana. Uh, Alabama struggled in their Alexander City facility. Uh, Massachusetts had the worst uh, scenario that took place. They had over 78 deaths at their Holyoke Soldiers' Home. And then oh, gosh. Pennsylvania, and it just, you know, they didn't cohort. They started having staffing shortages because once your residents get it, your staff also get it. It spreads. And when we started getting staff shortage, we already had a plan in place that we had planned for that and said, if our staff starts going out, how do I keep from having such shortages? And our goal is to maintain 3.2 staff per resident every day. Uh, the Medicaid, Medicare requires 2.8. Department of Health requires 2.8. Our goal is 3.2. We want to have more staff than is required, and we never dropped below that number the whole time we were fighting it in Kosciuszko because we were able to call on the VA Medical Center and Dr. Walker and his staff. They didn't have to mandate anybody come. They told them this is the situation. They're fighting the COVID up at the nursing home in Kosciuszko, and every nurse at the VA Medical Center here in Jackson volunteered to be on that team, and they came up for 10 days to give my staff relief, time for my staff to recover and get back to work to care for our veterans. And because of that, we maintained good staffing numbers, and you know it was a one-team, one-fight mentality to care for our veterans, these men and these women who stepped in the gap for us when they were young that we get to care for now. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, gosh, I, I, like I said, I'm glad to hear that y'all had good, good luck and good strategy to make that luck happen. So that's great news. You know, you are adding a new veterans home, which is amazing. I mean, I, I was going to ask the number of veterans that are serving, because we've got a huge amount of veterans that have served, I guess, pretty much since the war on terror um, have come through. So you're, you've got a whole new population that's about to come into those homes. Number one, how many people do you normally serve in a home? But number two, tell us a little bit about the new home that you're building down toward the coast. Well, our existing four homes, Marshall, have 150 beds. And so we serve a hundred, you know, right at 600 total. Uh, but you know, one of the first things I realized when I got this job is 27% of Mississippi's veterans, we have 187,000 veterans, 27% live in the three coastal counties, Harrison, Hancock, and Jackson counties. And those that were in Hancock and Jackson counties are driving, their family have to drive all the way to Collins to see their loved one, which is over two hours drive for most of them. And I said, you know, we've got to fix this. I called the VA, and we're already at our allotted bed max. I explained the situation. They gave us a waiver and said, we're going to give you another 100 beds to take care of the Gulf Coast. And so we, then we got to working with the developers, Joe Canizero and his team at uh, Tradition, and we're able to get the land situated and where we needed that. Went to the legislature. They gave me the state match, and we're waiting for the federal dollars now to drop. We're already working on the blueprints, and uh, we'll build a brand-new 100-bed facility on the Gulf Coast, private rooms, no more double occupancy. It's giving our veterans and their families the dignity that they deserve. And we'll be building that at Tradition Development. And we're, we've already broken ground on the site. We'll finish the blueprints and the engineering. And we expect, hopefully, to start construction in the spring of next year. I was fascinating seeing all the different pot, pots and money that you draw from to be able to make this happen. Tell us a little bit where the money comes from. And, and then, I guess, basically go over the economic impact because it's, it's going to be a huge um, 
just plus for the whole community. Yeah, it really is, Marshall. I mean, we get monies from about four or five different buckets. We're, we're a very non-typical state agency. I tell folks all the time, we're actually a state-owned enterprise. You know, veterans are not required by court to go to a state veterans home. They can choose, their families can choose to go to any nursing home they need or want uh, when that time arises. So we have to compete with everybody else out there. And the good news is we compete very well. I have a private company that we hire, third party, to do our customer satisfaction surveys every month. We interview a 10% of our family members and residents. And in every category, in all four homes, we are above the national average. And in eight of the 12 categories, we're actually best in class on our customer satisfaction numbers. So uh, that's everything from dining, food quality, nursing care, facilities, cleanliness, all of those factors. We are setting the standard nationally. Uh, so our family members pay $50 a day uh, for their veteran for nursing home care. If they're disabled, 70% or more, then they get uh, the VA pays 100% of their cost. So it's one of the best benefits you can have having served our country is access to these nursing homes. But then the state gives us me about four four and a half million dollars a year in general fund dollars, but the rest is paid for by the other $50 million by the federal VA in the form of grants for the school authorizing authority in the form of per daily per diem to care for our veterans. And we also get a plot allowance for our cemeteries. And so those are kind of, it's a multiple way federal, state, and private funding of how we care for our veterans in Mississippi. One of the other things we're going to give you a sneak preview, uh, working with Department of Revenue, we've just redesigned all the veterans tags. And like myself, I can pay 30 extra dollars to get a veteran tag for my car. And that money goes to our nursing homes, cemeteries, and our indigent veterans that don't have family or money to care for them. We can pay for that. It generates about $300,000 a year. We just redesigned those, and it's going to have the seal of each branch. Instead of combat stickers that nobody really understands what those ribbons mean, it's just simply going to have the Air Force, Marine Corps, Navy, Coast Guard, Army seals. And we think we can generate half a million dollars to help keep our homes refurbished, renewed, refreshed, as well as caring for our indigent veterans. It's really letting veterans care for themselves. It's time for our last break, and when we get back, we'll wrap up our conversation with guest Stacy Pickering, the Executive Director of Mississippi Veterans Affairs. Uh, our phone lines are still open. We'd love to hear from you. If you're a veteran, if you have a question, if you're a family member, if you have a question, well, just give us a call. This is your chance. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I hope you've had a good Monday so far. Thank you for being part of the show. Always glad that you're listening. Hey, we've been talking with Stacey Pickering, Executive Director of Mississippi Veterans Affairs, about their continued commitment towards the state's veterans. And I tell you what, um, I've always said this, and I mean it. I couldn't do what I do if veterans didn't do what they did. You know, I mean, and I think that one way to show gratefulness, obviously, is for us as a country is to make sure that they get the benefits that they deserve. And I think they deserve a lot of benefits because honestly, 
um, they're writing a check every single day to our country, a blank check that can be cashed at any moment. So, you know, it's good to hear that they're getting good care. And I've had the honor of being able to go visit some of the, the veterans' homes. Of course, now you can't because of COVID. It's a it's a different world, but uh, they are pretty. They're really nice. They're new facilities. They're very well done. And so, Stacy, I'm really glad that you've been on with us today because I'm glad to hear you talking about it. I'm glad to hear you kind of tell us a little bit what's going on with COVID, and I'm glad that y'all have figured out ways to protect the veterans too. Um, and, you know. You also mentioned um, that you help families be able to navigate the system, which this is huge. And I hope that there are somebody listening right now that's probably been bumping their head against the wall that'll pick up and give y'all a call. Because I know when dad was sick and we had to try to get some benefits for him, um, there was a lot of mazes we had to crawl through. Now, we're not he wasn't in Mississippi, so I couldn't call y'all. He was in Georgia. But I, I tell you, it really does help to have a friendly voice on the other side that can help you through paperwork. One of the things, too, that y'all do is you have the cemeteries, and I remember back in the day um, when y'all built the one, I guess, out off of I-20 going toward Meridian, and one day suddenly it appeared, and, and tell us a little bit th about that, because I know that you've got one that's coming coming out in Newton County, I believe. Right. Well, you know, over in Newton's our first one. It's a little over 10 years old. It's 100 acres over there, and we've got over 1,000 veterans and their family members that are buried there. And it costs wow. for an absolutely nothing to be buried in one of these cemeteries. It looks like Arlington when you pull in. It's a beautiful facility. Our staff does a great job of maintaining it. Uh, matter of fact, our facility in Kilmichael, which is our North Mississippi Veterans Memorial Cemetery, last year was the first state cemetery to get a perfect score by the inspectors. We get inspected every other year. They literally will get a laser level and line up the headstones. They can only be a quarter of an inch out of variation any direction. They throw a coin out into the grass and put a hula hoop down and get on their hands and knees and count the weeds. And our staff really takes care to maintain a national shrine level uh, for our Mississippi veterans and their families. And we host uh, not just the funerals, but Memorial Day, Veterans Day. We do wreaths across America where we'll have two or 300 people show up. And Marsh, you know, one of the ways that folks, they say, how can I know when these events are? Well, I want to come and pay my respects. If they follow us on any social media platform, like on Facebook, we're MS Veteran, Veterans Affairs, and we'll put announcements out all the time. Or if they want to get on Twitter, it's at MS Vet Affairs, and on Instagram, it's MS Veterans Affairs. And they can follow us. We get announcements out, news, and give you get a case an example. Last year, we had a homeless veteran in Mississippi pass away at the VA Medical Center. We put it out in 48 hours. And we had over 150 people showed up for this homeless vet who had no family. They were there for his funeral so that he did not have to be buried alone. And it was just a way of Mississippians showing up, showing out, and saying, hey, we want to say thank you for your service uh, to this veteran who doesn't have any family, who was homeless, who had been gotten down on his luck, and they turned out for a final goodbye. And we care for that veteran just like we would uh, the highest profile veteran in Mississippi. And it's indeed an honor to be go to that sacred place. We're going to be expanding that cemetery. It's about a $3 million expansion that we'll do groundbreaking for September, October. Put in another 1,500 crypts. We have columbariums at both facilities. Uh, and so uh, it's a growing need, and Mississippians are saying, hey, we want to use this facility when the time comes for me or for my loved ones who served our country. All right. You've gotten a new role recently. Um, tell us about this new role, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> well, it's uh, 
you know, being a state director, we have a national association of the National Association of State Directors of Veterans Affairs. It's all the, uh, my counterparts uh, around the country from all, not just 50 states, but we also from Guam, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, who service our veterans. And we get together a couple of times a year. We do a lot of conference calls, the best practices, what's working, what's not working. Uh, of course, we lobby on the Hill to make sure the state's veterans affairs are getting the resources we need to care for the veterans at the state level. And uh, I was recently, uh, two weeks ago, elected to serve as the vice president for the southeastern region, uh, not just to be the voice of Mississippi veterans, but also on our executive committee uh, nationally to represent the entire southeastern region, 11 states, as well as Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So it's a tremendous honor that my counterparts asked me to serve in that capacity, and I kind of get to take Mississippi's role to a little higher level at the national level within the veterans community. I know it's also good to have that kind of just to be able to develop those relationships with the other members too, because you can look for best practices and find new ways to do them too. What are some of the things that you've learned just from being able to talk to some of the other, other directors well, you around know, the area? Well, there's several things. One of our biggest issues in Mississippi we're working to address is transportation in the Delta. Uh, getting our vets, they can't ride on the transportation for Medicaid and Medicare because if you're going to the VA Medical Center, Medicaid's not paying for that or Medicare. And so they have a transportation problem in the Delta of how do I help these veterans get to the VA Medical Center here in Jackson. So we're working with uh, Willie Simmons and his staff. We've had conversations as late as last week. But I learned from my counterpart in Nevada. You know, we think of uh, Las Vegas this big, but 60% of their population in Nevada lives in Las Vegas. The rest of the state is incredibly rural. And so they did a grants program and reimbursement as a way of transporting veterans. Uh, and you say, well, I've seen these vans from the v local American Legion and VFW and DAV. The problem is those drivers have to take out their own personal liability insurance, and that's an added cost that we're having more and more trouble finding drivers to volunteer to, for those veteran service organizations. So we're looking at a federal grant program through the Department of Transportation that will allow us to help Mississippi veterans and that's something I learned from uh, Ken Andrews, who's my counterpart in Nevada, and what they were doing to address rural transportation. And we're trying to bring that to Mississippi this year. As we're wrapping up, to the hour guys went by really quick. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's, of course, it's always nice to talk to you, but I mean, I'm always glad you're able to come on and tell us about this because, there, like I said, there's a lot of veterans out there that really sometimes maybe just don't know the, the benefits that are entitled to them. So every time you can talk about it like this, it gives them a chance. Is there anything that uh, we need to know about that's coming up? Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, Marshall, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for your support of the veterans community. You've been great, whether through your drawings or your speaking, to always tell the story. Uh, we do have a couple of events in the pipeline uh, we weren't able to do this year, our Gold Star Family events where we partner with the Braves and the Shuckers and have families. A Gold Star family is a family who lost a loved one in service to our country, and we can honor those at the ba those baseball games and bring attention to those families' sacrifice. Uh, we'll be doing those next year, but in the fall we'll be hosting the uh, – a sporting clay shoot here in Jackson to help raise money to support the homes. Last year we raised a lot of money to put money into uh, buy some physical therapy equipment to help our guys. It's kind of funny to fall properly so they don't break a hip or hurt themselves and deal with it as their balance changes. And so we were able to do some things of that nature, and we hope to continue to grow that event. Uh, that will be in October here in Jackson. But the biggest thing, Marshall, is for those families and those veterans that are listening, or if you know of a veteran and they need help, navigating the VA benefits system or just need help answering some questions, they can go to our website, msva.ms.gov, 
and there's a contact us button. Our phone number is there, which is 601-576-4850, and we will be glad to help them navigate and get the benefits they're entitled to and say thank you on behalf of a grateful nation. Thank you, Stacey. I appreciate it. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. I want to thank our guest, Mississippi Veterans Affairs Board Executive Director Stacey Pickering for joining us today. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episode, listen on our podcast or your favorite podcast app by downloading the Mississippi Public Media app. Hey, now you're talking production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And remember, we will get through this together. Have a great week and stay safe. 